Hey, welcome to Creative Block. We're your host, Gene. And V, we interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We asked people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Amanda Rinda. Hey! Yay. Hey, you two. How's it going? <laughs> Yeah, we were just hearing about your puppy, your adorable puppy. Yep, he's right here, sleeping by my side. He never leaves my side. That's a that's a bonus guest for today's episode. Yep. <laughs> Mandarin and puppy. What's what's uh what's his name? His name's Remy. Remy. How old is a puppy? He's six months. Remy the ratatouille. The puppetouille. <laughs> Tell us who you are and what you do. So I'm Amanda Rinda, and right now I am the co-EP on DC Superhero Girls at Warner Brothers. It's very cool. I love the show. I watched the season one on Netflix. It was it's just so cute. It it's is so cute. cute. It's it's just like it's really fun because all the all the girls are so totally different from each other and and just awesome in their own right. So they're a lot yeah. of fun to tell stories with. Yeah. Uh, well, the three of us are part of the same uh, Loud House Club that a lot of the guests have been on, <laughs> inviting on our friends. But uh, yeah, you were you were the person who kind of brought me into animation because you were the art director on on the Loud House at the time, and yeah. And you kind of kicked off my career. So thank you for that, first of all. Of course. <laughs> well, you were awesome. You were such an awesome pick for that for that. Thank you. Job. Thank you. It was it was really uh, it was really a big deal for me, and I don't know if I say it often enough, but um, but yeah. And so you've had a really crazy career. You've had a really interesting path, and um, very almost like a rocket from from where I'm sitting, <laughs> and mm -hmm. where it's just like boom, 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 and now you're a co EP, and very deserved. But um, I think we'd love to hear about all that. But first. Let's hear about baby Amanda and kind of what got you started in like art and got you on this uh, track. Sure. Well, you know, I probably like a lot of people that you talk to. I just was a kid that drew. I like to color and draw and really just do anything creative. Mm -hmm. So, of course, I grew up doing that. I, I never knew what I wanted to do growing up. Mm -hmm. But, oh, do you hear Remy? He's... He's dreaming. Oh, he's barking in his sleep. I um, love this bonus. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I never really knew what I wanted to do, but I, I did like just creating. And um, when I was in fourth grade, it's so funny because my best friend always tells me this story about we were in art class and we were sitting there at a big table and we our assignment was to do still life drawings of flowers in a vase that were sitting right in front of us. Mm -hmm. And so she's drawing, my other friends are drawing, I'm drawing, but my best friend notices I'm really upset at my own drawing. And I'm oh, no. like saying, oh, my drawing is terrible. And I just was so focused on trying to make it perfect um, that she, and to her, she wasn't an artist at all. And she she didn't really care for drawing. But she looked over at mine and was like, man, that looks awesome. And she's complaining about it. She's so upset about it. I don't know what is going on. And it was that same year that my my art teacher selected me from the class to be part of our, our um, it was called a G&T program, program. So it was called... Mm -hmm. um, gifted and talented and so they sent me 
they, my teacher knew that I had this knack for drawing and she sent me through this program where I would get picked up, you know, our elementary school started at nine o'clock in the morning, um, mm -hmm. but the high school started at 745. So I used to get up early, extra early and take the bus with the high schoolers and go do art at the high school and then get shipped back to my elementary school. So Damn. it was like all around that same time when things were coming together that adults were noticing that this was something that I was interested in. And um, so it kind of just got started there. And I just continued with all of my art classes moving forward. Um, you know, there were there were kids that knew exactly what they wanted to do. And I just really liked to have a project in front of me, just anything that kept me creating something with my hands. Mm -hmm. So um, I just continued to do that. And I didn't, I didn't have like a real strong focus in it until I was in high school. I, you know, I always loved my art classes and my study hall. I would leave study hall and go to the art room and draw and mm -hmm. paint and things. Um, but when I was a junior in high school, I got asked to apply to a program that they had in New Jersey. I grew up in New Jersey and it was called the Governor's School of the Arts. Out here um, in LA, there's a program called CESA. Um, mm -hmm that they hold at CalArts and it's similar to that, but this is, it's a much smaller, it's a much smaller thing in New Jersey. Um, so I applied to that and I got accepted. And that's when I really knew this was the direction I wanted to head in because I, I showed up in the summertime with everyone else who got accepted into this program. And it was all of the artists from their respective high schools all over the state. And I had this moment where it felt like, oh my gosh, this is, these are my people, you know, like <laughs> it just, we had a similar mindset and our interests and, and that's really where things kicked into high gear for me, where I felt like, oh, okay, this is the direction I want to go in. These are the people I want to surround myself with. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of like the two life altering moments that I've had, um, this moment in fourth grade and then. I was a junior in high school. Mm -hmm. Kind of gave you direction. Yeah, it did. And, you know, at that time, I was always really big. I mean, like, you guys know me. Like, I'm pretty social, and I like to be around people. Mm -hmm. So in high school, I did everything. Like, whatever extracurricular was available, I did it. Um, I was in the plays, the musicals. I did sports. Like, I played field hockey and lacrosse. And Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did, I did everything. <laughs> Field hockey, like I, I was in love with field hockey. That was my game. I was super into it. And it was, I was doing preseason practice. Um, I was on varsity. And in, before the school year started, our coach said, she said something really tough, I remember. She said, now there's a, there are those of you who, you know you can hack it. And those of you who can't. And those of you who can't, I want you to just get up and leave. And at that moment, I, that's when I was a, a junior and I was balancing my art and everything else that was going on in my life. And in that moment, I listened to her and I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, I'm getting up and leaving because I'm going to choose art in this moment. And oh, that, wow. Damn. So, 
and I had played field hockey for a long time and I really, really loved it. But that statement, you know, that she is just so strongly put out there into the world just kind of got my butt in gear. And I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to, I'm not going to choose this. I'm going to choose art. And so I, <laughs> this is like, this is like the climax of a movie. Yeah. This is you walking away. <laughs> it did feel like a movie. Like I stood up with my field hockey stick and I was like, you're right. I'm out of here. Yeah. But that's, you know, that was that defining moment where I said, yeah, this is my focus and that's what I'm going to study in college. And, and so that's what I did from, from that moment forward. Um, when was the, like on the timeline, the moment when you went to that, uh, program with all the other art kits, was that like, uh, the year before, or like compared to that event about like that field hockey event? Yeah, I was, so I, it was like the, within a couple months of each other. So I was 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was 17 okay. at that time. And, um, I went through that program and I think. It was the whole month of July that I lived there. It was held on a college campus, similar to CESA. And I lived there for a month. And then I came back and we started preseason for fall sports just a few weeks later. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, it's like when you meet that group of people, that like-minded group, it's like, oh, you know, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know I was going to get into animation. I just knew that I really liked visual art. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've never really had, like, Jean, you mentioned just this, like, rocket mm. career path. For me, yeah. it's felt very nonlinear. Sure. I mean, always art-focused, I guess, but just never really knowing what was going to come next, but being okay with just going along for the ride. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's how it always ends up feeling, too. Yeah, from the inside, because, it, yeah. It's like you have no control, and... and an outsider doesn't see all the moments where there's nothing happening. Like all we, all we track is our friends like milestones, you know? Yeah. And then there's like those years where you're just like working a job. <laughs> It's just like, <laughs> and you're totally happy working that job. But, uh, but yeah, what got you, uh, what was kind of, well, I, I guess like I'll talk about like what's next in that path is I decided to apply to art schools and, I ended up going to the Maryland Institute College of Art, MICA, in Baltimore, mm -hmm. right out, you know, after I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. And I went there, I only stayed one semester. I just, I, I grew up in a really cute, safe town in New Jersey. And when I got to Baltimore, it just was a shock to the system because it was not a safe neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We were always notified when there were instances of, you know, bad things would happen. And yeah. so mm -hmm. there, there was an obligation that the school had to notify the students. And it just felt constant. And I was being 18 and the first time really living away from home. I was like, you know what? I can't, this is, this doesn't feel good to me. So I decided to go home and I finished out the rest of that year at our local community college. And I just focused on more art classes and um, I did drawing, painting, printmaking, art history. That's just kind of how I filled my time while I tried to figure out what my next plan was going to be. Right, because you knew that you wanted to do art, but you didn't know like what direction you were taking your art to. Yeah, right? exactly. I just, you know, like Micah was great because they had a foundation 
level year mm -hmm. where you could experience lots of different, you know, areas of art. And it was a lot more fine art focused. So mm -hmm. I was interested in, I was really into printmaking at the time, and I was interested in graphic design and photography, but I, I just didn't really, I didn't really have a focus other than just like making projects. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I went home and just started thinking about where I was going to apply next. When I was, the first time I applied to colleges, I, I knew about CalArts because my high school boyfriend actually he was an artist and he really wanted to go to CalArts so I had heard about it mm -hmm. and but for me it was too far like going all the way across the country yeah. I just yeah I I wasn't really up for that at that time but after having the experience in Baltimore and I kind of always imagined oh I'd go home and like you always hear college students bringing their laundry home or going yeah, home sure. for dinner on Sundays or something. I always thought I would do that and then I never ended up doing that because I was just busy with whatever was going on there. Mm -hmm. So at that point I realized, well, yeah, you know what? I can travel across the country and do that. So so I started going to portfolio reviews and CalArts responded positively to my work, but I knew how difficult it was to get into the character animation program yeah mm. and it was already at that point because i was well into the second semester of the community college program i knew i was so late to the application deadline process so i was going to apply but i knew i was way later than everyone else so i thought well i'll apply for graphic design so mm. i did and i think just it must have been sheer luck because it was my application was so late like maybe someone didn't accept their acceptance oh. because they mm -hmm. emailed me like it was really weird and unconventional like i sent the stuff in and two weeks later i got an email saying i got in so mm -hmm. it just went really quickly it was like boom 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 like submitted you're in i was like well i'm going i guess yeah and so i just packed up and it I really didn't have much time to think about it. <laughs> so I think I, there was just a stroke of luck there and my willingness to just go for it, I guess. Well, you tried mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I actually spent my first year at CalArts studying graphic design and we didn't really have drawing or, you know, we, we did have photography that year, but I was missing out on the life drawing that I had done. Um, right. before going to CalArts. So I started showing up to life drawing in the character animation department. And then I just started sitting in on some of the character classes and making some friends. And I just really loved how committed and enthusiastic everyone in that department was. I mean, there was just this energy in that department that was intriguing to me that I just kind of didn't feel that pull in any other direction um and i'm also like you guys probably know this about me like i'm pretty competitive so <laughs> whenever there's a challenge in front of me like i'm really eager to take it on so Definitely. the character animation really felt like such an incredible challenge in art because it incorporates so much of you know what you're trying to develop as an artist that it almost mm -hmm. felt like the ultimate challenge I think that's really true. I feel like animation is a very, it's an extremely competitive field. Yeah, so that of, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, one-upsmanship. And that kind of tracks with your, 
uh, sports yeah. past. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it it's true, it's true. I was like, all right, I'm in this game. But yeah, it, you know, cause you're thinking about, you're not only thinking about drawing, but you're thinking about timing and you're thinking about composition and you're thinking about just the story. And I mean, there's just so much involved that it, mm-hmm. it was exciting at that time. And, and so were um, the group of people that were there studying it. Everyone just was kind of so obsessed that <laughs> it, that was fun for me. Mm-hmm. I think you're the first person we've had that went to CalArts. Am I? Yeah, am that's I true. Here? Yeah, I think you're the uh, first. I was going to say that as well. I was going to say you're our first CalArts alumni on the yeah. show. <laughs> yeah, we. it's not like we were we're like against uh, having anybody on the show that's been to CalArts, but um, I think there's this idea in the industry that like you have to go to CalArts to succeed in animation and it's not true like I think all of us can we know tons of people that have all kinds of you know winding paths uh, and even you like you started out somewhere else and then you ended up in CalArts it just felt like the right move for you and so but tell us about that experience more because like we've never had anybody talk about it and because you were like a significant transplant your perspective on it's probably interesting. Yeah, it's a little bit different because, you know, starting out in graphic design was great because it just kind of gave me this base layer of college art instruction that was a little different than everyone else's. Mm -hmm. And actually, I think it helps me more today than it did at that time um, when everyone was so focused. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I was drawn to the animation department. And so I had to put together a portfolio just like everyone else you know, and then apply. And then I started over again as a first year, even though it was my second year at CalArts. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically applied to CalArts twice. Yeah. And got in twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think getting in the second time, there had to have been, uh, you know, like the, the faculty knew me at that point. Yeah. It's easier. So, yeah. uh, you know, they knew that it, animation wasn't my focus, but they knew I was spending the extra time sure. to right. not only go to my other classes, but go to these uh, these additional classes as well. So right. I think they saw the dedication there. And, you know, I was probably a lot, I, I mean, I definitely was untraditional mm-hmm. for that department, but I think it brought something unique to the table. I mean, I, I hope that it, I mean, I hope I stood out for that reason. I'm sure you did. Uh, I also think it's, it's important to note that like, yeah, you, you went about it. Like if somebody goes into character animation and they can't get in the first time, but they're really dead set on going to CalArts, like they feel like this is what I need to succeed. Like, yeah, try a different major, like try something else out, just get in the door. Yeah. And I, like they have that experimental animation major that I think is, might be a little bit easier to get into. I might be wrong. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what the, okay. the numbers are on that. Maybe we'll have somebody else on the show that, went through that but you know that you know the CalArts character animation department I always felt like every time I talked to someone they're like oh yeah I've wanted to be a Disney animator since I was three oh and that was I just felt like that was such a common part of conversation in the department that I just did not connect with so I always did feel like a little bit of an outsider there Mm -hmm. but it, it was cool. I mean, I liked that people were that into something. So that part of it was really infectious. But I loved my experience there. I, I thought it was, you know, a really freeing experience. I think 
you know, you really have to be self-motivated to succeed mm -hmm. at CalArts though. If you're not, it it's just not the right place for you because there's no one there telling you what to do or when to do it or, you know, I think it's really rare to find that there's no like militant push to get your work right. done there. The only right. one who's really pushing you to do it is yourself. So, you know, that's why I think you'll find sometimes that the the students that graduate from that department are a little bit older because if you're joining college at 17, 18, you know, your focus might not be there. So, right. so sometimes we have people, you know, we had someone who was in their thirties graduate in my class. So I think it, you really need to have self-motivation. Yeah. But I, but I loved it. I, it was so, it was really fun and, you know, but for me, it worked because I was willing to, to you know, put in the time. Oh yeah, you're you're grinding, you're hustling. What was the difference um, that you felt in between the community college you went to and CalArts in terms of like that aspect of? Well, actually, you know, the community college forced you to do more work, which. Hmm. I think is great. And, and it's the same too, um, at MICA in Baltimore. I mean, my experience at, at MICA, you know, we really learned how to critique other artists. We learned mm -hmm. that in class. And that's something that really, I don't know if it's an East coast difference versus a West coast difference or just the, the type of school, but you know, we would get assignments at MICA. Um, I had a, an oil painting class and there were specific assignments that we had to complete. And if we showed up to class and we, you know, blew off the assignment or someone didn't follow all of the instructions the the teacher, you know, we'd hang up our paintings at the start of class and we'd go around and we'd talk about each one of them. And if someone didn't follow the rules of the assignment, the teacher literally would just knock the painting off the wall. Whoa! It was oh, it man. was harsh, but it's a good lesson. I love it's that. Like, <laughs> you're, like you know, a lot of times, sometimes as artists, we just kind of want to buck the system a little yeah. bit. But I do think, as part of having a foundation, like learn the rules, like learn learn some basics first, learn from people of the past, um, yeah. and start to apply you know, those skills into your work just to start to build a foundation to figure out where you want to go. Because when you yes. start not knowing anything and you're just bucking the system, you're really not doing yourself any favors. Yeah. So I learned how to give a really harsh critique, like right out the gate. And so when I came to California and it was time to critique in the graphic design department, the faculty learned really quickly that I would give an honest critique. So I often, they often asked me first, like if they knew someone wasn't following the assignment, I'd be like, why are we even talking about this? This person didn't put in the work like everyone else. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, you know, like that, that type of mentality did not really exist so much in the character animation department it was mm. the critiques were really soft and i think i'm really glad that i went through the process where i could really take a a really hard look at something and try to figure out what 
I can do better the next time, whether it's through my own work or someone else's. You know, because you mm-hmm. can learn through watching someone else's progress as well. Definitely, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. And it was mm-hmm. the same thing at the at the community college. You know, we were forced to do really specific assignments, and I think it just helped your hand in I, in everything yeah. that you do moving forward. I wish I had that when I in my school. I mean, it was a pretty lax, like for profit art institute that didn't give a shit, but. I don't, yeah, like, there, everyone was so, all the teachers didn't care, and so, like, we never, it never felt like there was a strict expectation, and boy, did people, you know, the people who, who didn't bother to follow the instructions didn't get anywhere, it's not like they're really successful artists now, but for the people like me and my friends that wanted it, it was definitely lacking, and that's why I complain about my school a lot, because it's like, we it was cheap to be fair but it's like i would have loved to have that kind of structure and that kind of like i barely even had life drawing you know like we we they barely taught us anything and so it it really was up to us to like grind and uh sometimes i i wish that i had tried harder to go to cal arts or something just because like you know who knows what that would have done to me early on uh and so i'm like but then again i feel like there's so many different ways to go about it like for example like when I went to Gobelin, like we didn't have any more life drawing classes. It was basically like you were su- you were expected to know the fundamentals of art before you entered the school. So all, all of those, well, it is good. But for me as a student there, since I was pretty young, mm. I wished I had more life drawing classes. So in the third year, I yeah. I actually signed up to, I guess the what. Uh, the equivalent to a community college like a, a extracurricular basically sure. uh, life drawing classes just so I could get that more under my belt before I graduated because I was just like because it's so competitive <laughs> like animation is so competitive that you I don't know I feel like any experience you can get <laughs> yeah I agree with you V I you know I think that I would recommend to people to try to get some of that foundation work built in before you go to a place yeah. like Oberlin or, or CalArts because CalArts was the same. Like there was a lot that was yeah. expected that you should already know how to do at That's that good. point. And it just, the more the more you can do getting your start, the further yeah. you can go once you're there because you're- sure. It's, yeah, it's a little tricky and overwhelming. And, and that's probably why it takes people sometimes two, three times to apply mm-hmm. before yeah. they get in. Um, yeah. But yeah, I did that too. Actually, in the summers, my summers off from CalArts, I would go back to the community college and I would do my general education classes there. So that way, when I got to CalArts in the fall, I didn't have to spend as much time in those classes. I could focus more on my major. Mm-hmm. I think that's really smart. I think that's also something that like maybe I don't know if it's something that you kept as a practice as well when you started uh, being a professional. But I remember after I graduated from Gobelin, I kept going to life drawing classes for at least two or three years after I graduated. So I kept this like a weekly practice, at least two hours a week, because I feel like foundation, like drawing foundation is just so important, especially when you get like when you have to draw fast <laughs> yeah yeah you gotta loosen up and just like yeah. get, the, get the draftsmanship down mm-hmm. for sure but yeah so so that was cal arts what uh what led to your first gig how did you land that and what was it gosh you know what i'm gonna keep saying i was so lucky 
it, it's funny because I, I do think like there like talent is involved like that's part of the process right that's part of the recipe but uh timing and luck also mm-hmm. I think comes into play so after I graduated from CalArts I was looking for a job and I ended up interviewing with someone who was also from New Jersey um and I think he was new out here in LA and I, I think I got the job because I was also from New Jersey. Like we just kind of <laughs> had this thing in common and it was uh-huh. like, yeah, I'm going to do you proud. Like it, it's going to work out. So I got a job as a color stylist on an adult swim show called Minority Team. Um, oh, that boy. didn't last very long because it was really no. offensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was, you know, that was the start. It was in Hollywood. And there were a bunch of us in one tiny little room. All of our desks were, you know, right next to one another. You could like literally bump elbows with people um, as you're mm-hmm. as you're drawing. And mm-hmm. I painted backgrounds and color styled characters and effects and props and um, kind of just helped out in whatever way was needed on mm-hmm. that show. And then after that, I actually took a break and moved out of LA for a little while. I lived with a friend in Denver, Colorado, just Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, just to kind of have a different experience and I don't know, just take a breath from everything that was going on out yeah. here. I did that for a few months. I came back and I was like, "Oh shoot, I'm I've been out of the game. Like how am I going to find a job?" Um, I didn't really have many connections at that point, and I ended up taking a job as a receptionist for, uh, did you ever see that show The Dog Whisperer by Cesar Milan? Yes, yes. Yeah, so I was a receptionist for that production company Mm -hmm. and answered phones for Cesar and some of the other producers there and, you know, um, scheduled meetings and I made coffee and I fed the fish that were in the office and I walked to the dogs. I pretty much did what I, I even babysat Cesar Milan's kids. Ah. So um, I just kind of did whatever was needed around the office. And that job was fun. I mean, it was, there was like really no stress to it, but it was a nice way to kind of get back into LA. And I did that for a while. And at that time, I had submitted my student film from Cal that I made at CalArts um, to some festivals, and it got accepted into the Nicktoons Film Festival. Mm-hmm. So it was around that time where I got to show up to Nickelodeon. That was the first time I was ever on the Nick campus, and there was a screening of of all of the shorts that were involved in in the festival. And then from there, it went into a Frederator Festival, and I won a little award. My film won this award called It's So Cute That It Hurts. Uh, (laughs) My my film was about a little dog that uh, winks. Mm -hmm. So so that's when I started um, just kind of talking more and, you know, talking more with people in animation and, and just being involved in that industry and i met do you know mike hollingsworth i know the name but no he mike hollingsworth is awesome he was a director mm-hmm. um on bojack and our supervising director oh okay yeah. actually I've seen the name the, the ep on it i'm not exactly sure his title but he's sir awesome of bojack <laughs> he's really <laughs> he and he's super friendly and fun and 
his film was in the festival as well. And so I had messaged him online to just let him know I really liked his work. And, and so he ended up getting me contacted with some people at Oddbot, um, a smaller animation studio in Eagle Rock. And they mm-hmm. were animating shows for Disney Junior. Mm-hmm. And I tested, they were, that was the time when flash animation was big, I guess. Like that's, that's what people were getting into. So mm-hmm. I met some of these people. I ended up taking a flash class at Titmouse in Hollywood and got a test for an animation position at Oddbot. Mm-hmm. And so I got this test and it was in flash and I didn't know how to use flash. I was like, you know, I was like this fine art kid that just like I drew <laughs> on paper, like computers really weren't a big part of my experience at Cal arts because mm-hmm. we were still doing everything traditionally. And I'm like, Oh crap, I don't know how to do this. So what am I like? What am I going to do? I literally bought a, a book, one of those like books for dummies. Yeah. And I'm like, All right, <laughs> I have to figure out how to use this computer oh, program. So I sat there, I read this book and you know, they're talking about tweening and, and uh-huh. nesting uh-huh. symbols. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this. So I just drew it all in flash. Like every frame I just drew. I, and I turned it in and they, they called me and they were like, this is one of the best tests we've what? seen. Yeah. Uh, you never know. And they're like, so you know how to use flash? And I'm like, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Just lie. <laughs> so. So I got the job and I got there and there were some awesome animators working there. Crystal Stromer, who maybe you know from Nick, and Anna Hollingsworth, who was not married to Mike at that time, but now they're married. Um, so, oh, and Todd was there. Todd. Oh, yeah. From Loud oh, House, yeah. Yeah. I worked with him and Miguel worked there. So a bunch of Loud House people Wow, were yeah. There. No kidding. And... I didn't know what I was doing. And so I, and it was the same type of setup where it was like one room and we're all kind of housed in this one room sitting real close to each other. So I'd essentially be like, how do you do that? How do you do that? And annoyed these people so much, I'm sure. But that's how I learned how to use flash. And that's amazing. So I animated, I like, you know, tried my best to get in some traditional skills in there. And I did that for a season and then I ended up applying to a job at Jib Jab. And I, they were on the west side. And at this time, you know, I was, I don't know, 23. I think I was 23. Yeah, I was 23. Um, so I didn't care. I was driving all over the place. It didn't matter. And I was just happy to have a job. Mm-hmm. And so I was also animating at Jib Jab. I worked on a lot of those political Camp, those videos, um, you know, with um, John Kerry and Barack yeah, Obama yeah, yeah. And, and all that stuff. And I also animated in the Starring You videos where you um, upload a picture of your face and put it on a dancing elf body. So I animated those and started doing some, a little bit of After Effects stuff there. And then they started making e-cards. So I did a little more traditionally drawn animation in flash which was really fun for me and designed some e-cards and i did that actually for about four years oh wow it was fun it was great because there was no end date it was like there was no season that was going to end um and i was having a lot of fun the people were great and just the environment was like 
really happy all the time. It was mm-hmm. joyful. Um, and plus, you were right by the beach um, in Venice. So it was a oh, great wow. setting. So I did that for about four years. And then I wanted to give it a shot to apply to some of the bigger studios. And Gravity Falls was starting up at DTV. And I applied to be a color stylist on that show uh, because I had a little bit of experience doing it. So it didn't feel totally foreign to me. And I believe how... I might be wrong about this, but I believe there were 12 people who tested for that job. And in the middle of the testing process, so they give you a test and you have an assignment and you get a week to complete it to show what you would bring to the job. So mm-hmm. I started my test and halfway through, I was like, well, let me turn it in and see if I can get some feedback. So I sent it in and I, I'm, I messaged the art director and I was like, hey, I'm still working on my test. I've got a few days left, but I, I wanted to check to see if you had any feedback or direction. And I believe I'm the only person out of the 12 people who did that. I think everyone else just did their test and turned it in. I think it's really great that you mentioned that because I feel like it's something that we don't often mention. Like, And that's actually an idea that I never even had before, I think, Maybe another guest on the show talked about that process before, but that's a really smart thing. Yeah, I just figured like, well, why not? Let me see if I'm on the right track. And right. so he gave me some some input and some direction, and I listened to what he had to say, and I and I applied <laughs> it to my test, and I ended up getting hired. So well, you did the I, same thing for me, and like that, I remember that was huge because like. I had done a lot of tests and that's how it always feels is like you just do the test and hope for the best. And I think that it's rare that people get hired from like, I don't know. It just felt like throwing stuff at a wall, but it helped that I knew you and we had met like briefly, but I guess I made an impression. And uh, I think you've told me that it was because of the. the <laughs> yeah. Do you the, want me to talk about? Yeah. Why you know what? Tell that story from your perspective. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I always tell the story, but you know what? It goes a long way. I think when people just to kind of back up a little bit, yeah. I was art directing for the Loud House, and we needed to hire someone to do background design, and so. So Jean was testing for it. I don't even remember if we gave you the test or you reached out for it. You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Our production manager had reached out and like sent, and I was so stoked. I was like, ah, like somebody actually wants me to test because up till then nobody had ever asked. So yeah. Well, I just like, what? so you did the test and you did a great job. I mean, it's a, it was a hard test and there were a lot of people who were applying for that job, but what was like what really stood out to me is, you know, like you have a lot of interests that are artistically inspired. And I remember when I met you, you had told Phil and I, you told Phil and me about you wanted to record a rap album. Yeah, I had done a, a I had worked <laughs> on like a video game hip hop project in the past. And, uh, and I gave you guys the link. I was just like, this is really stupid, but if you really want to check it out, like here, it was called Gumboozle if anybody wants to look it up. It's still around. Well, okay, so this is the kind of thing that I'm sure a lot of like creative types have all these ideas, right? Like, oh, I want to mm-hmm. do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. I know I, I'm like that too, and have all these ambitions. And it just ends at, I want to do this. But Gene mm-hmm. actually did it. 
Like, you did it, and you not only recorded one song, but, like, you recorded a whole album. And, it like, to me, like, Gene, Gene's this person that, you know, goes 110%. Like, full force, you go for it, and, you know, like, are you going to become a hip-hop star and have, you know, whatever? Like, maybe not. But the fact <laughs> Oh, yes, I will, Amanda. Oh, yes, I will. <laughs> the fact that you just were like, oh, I want to do this, and you did it, and you went for it full force, like, that, to me, that's exactly the kind of person I want to have on a team. Like, yeah. someone who you're going to give an assignment that's maybe a little bit outside of their comfort zone, but they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it 110%, and... I just thought that was so cool. I'm still doing it. <laughs> now I have a whole album. I know. And a whole, like, whole other genre. Yeah, yeah. It's band. a different thing. And, but yeah, I just like knowing that kind of quality exists in someone. Like, like I don't know. I can't speak for anyone else who's hiring. But for me, I just was like, that is so dang respectable. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think that that, yeah, I, I think it's important to just to do things. And I tell people that all the time that are looking for work and I'll go to look at their portfolio and they have, they have nothing. They, you know, they'll, they'll make pieces, but it feels like it's trying to make a portfolio and not just doing things for the sake of doing them. And to me, like my eyes glaze over and I don't, it doesn't catch my attention, but yeah, it's like, I think I've definitely, I've done a little bit of hiring in the past and I'm in the same boat as you where it's like, if people are putting their hearts into something that, comes through way louder it's like oh wow this person really tries to like do shit and that's the kind of people you always want on your team is the people who are really care than the people who are just trying to get like a job with a capital j you know yeah yeah i mean it's like like a little preview of the passion that exists within an artist and i i just thought that was so cool yeah but yeah to bring it back to the test like it, it was exactly that. I actually didn't know that um, about the test that you took, but it, it's a good thing to pay forward, I think, that it's like, yeah, if, if you're in a position of, of, of testing people, give them notes because the I remember you told me that. I asked you. I was very sheepish about it. I was like, is this okay? Like, is this like, is this what you want the look to be like? And And you gave me notes, and I was like, that's a good sign, right? Because, like, I don't know how this show is supposed to be and like if it was a if i was working for you which i did end up but it's like if i was working for you you would be giving me notes you'd be giving me feedback so i from it makes sense for an art director who's hiring to see how artists also receive those notes yeah right like yeah yeah for sure yeah. i mean it's almost like a double test in a way because you're testing sure, sure. you're like we're checking out what your instincts are for the show and then if if I'm able to give you notes and see how you receive them and then see how you apply them, that just gives me like another peek into what you're going to be like as part of, a, you know, a team member on the team. So, yeah. And, you know, like that was not all art directors feel that way. Like, you know, maybe sure. some don't want to give notes. Some just kind of want to see what you bring to the table the first time around. But for me, it's like, all is fair in love and war like ask for ask yeah. the worst you can hear is someone says no i'm not going to give you notes yeah we'd, we'd rather not yeah but you might as well show the initiative and say like hey you know like i haven't worked on this show before i don't know exactly what you're looking for but but let me 
show you that I'm interested in learning that because it's yeah. a growth. Like, like think about when you first started on the show to where you were when you were done on the show, like completely different. Yeah. Completely different. So it's a, it's a process always from start to finish. And yeah. I think if you can incorporate that in a test and you know, like I'm not saying that everyone should go out and do that because sometimes some shows hand out so many tests that you just really right. couldn't keep up. Yeah. They just doing can't. That. Yeah. That's but, for sure. But yeah, I figure ask for notes and why not? What, what harm could it really do? It's not, it's not cheating. No, I think there's that feeling. I think people feel like it is like a weakness, but I definitely don't see it that way. It doesn't sound like you see it that way. And so it's just like, yeah, give it a shot. Ask for notes. See what um, if, if you have a rapport with the art director, if you're and again, it kind of comes down to luck. I was definitely lucky in that I had a rapport with you and I could reach out to you one on one. And that helps. Connections are always important for sure. But still, you know, you never know. Just like send it in, see if if they'll give you feedback on your test. But we kind of skipped a, a little bit of a step, I think, because you mm -hmm. were you were on Gravity Falls, and then tell us kind of where things went from there. Yeah, so um, I I worked on Gravity Falls season one, and then I got pregnant, and mm -hmm. uh, so I took some time off from work. So mm -hmm. I was finishing up the season when I went on maternity leave. Um, so I took some time at home and after about, I was home for about 10, 11 months. And that's when star versus the forces of evil was getting staffed up. And I knew Darren, um, from Cal arts. And I also, I feel like that time before her show got greenlit because she was working on the pilot at Nickelodeon. Actually, it was it was before it was at Disney mm -hmm. and she had showed it to me a long time, a long time before that. And I really liked it. I thought it was super cute. And, and so I reached out to her to see if I could test as a color stylist on that show. And that ended up working out for me. I got that job. And at that time she was like, you know, she called Phil and I, she called Phil and I and, and asked us, you know, I need an art director for the show. I really like Josh Parpan and I really like Justin Parpan. And Phil and I, I remember we were like, I think we're on speaker phone call with her or something. And we were like, hire both of them. Why don't you just have two art directors? But neither one of them had art directed before. And Josh and I used to sit next to each other. Um, he, Josh also, also worked on Gravity Falls. Mm -hmm. So Josh and I sat next to each other. So I knew Josh pretty well. And, and I knew Justin because he worked at Jib Jab. So I had a relationship built with both of them and I really like them so much and they're both so talented. So Phil and I were like, just hire both of them. They're great. But it was their first time art directing. So since Josh and I had kind of already had this um, relationship in color built, because um, he did background paint on Gravity Falls. I kind of worked with him. You know, he would ask me questions like, oh, Amanda, what do you think about this? What do you think about, how do you think we should handle this? And so I ended up doing a little bit more work than I think a traditional color stylist role would have on, you know, on my plate. So I ended up kind of leading a bit in color. So it wasn't in my title or anything like that. I was just trying to be helpful because I really like Darren and I really like Josh and 
So I was just trying to be like an active, helpful team member. And so we ended up bringing in a couple people onto the color team and I was basically the lead there. And I worked through the first season on Star. And as we were nearing the end of the first season, well, Kick Batowski, just to back up a little bit, Kick Batowski was happening at the same time at Disney TV. That was being produced at the same time that Star was. Um, and Chris Savino um, was leading Kick Batowski at Disney. And I guess he had been looking at people's work, um, people that were there, and he had seen my work and had heard that I was kind of like the lead in this color department on Star. And he he's someone who really likes when people take that initiative. So he noticed that and he contacted me. It was right about the time Star season one was ending. And Chris contacted me to see if I would want to come in and speak to him about art directing on The Loud House. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I definitely want to have yeah. that meeting. But like in the back of my head, I'm like, what? like I've, I've color styled, like how am I going to be an art director? But I'm not going to turn <laughs> down the meeting. Like you always go to the meeting. Yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. And I'm like, why does this guy want me to do this? But at the same time, I just had to like put those thoughts in the back of my head and just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just go in confident. Um, and we had a great meeting and I ended up getting offered that job. So I definitely felt like I was going to be in over my head. But, you know, you have, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I'm sure a lot of us artists have these like insecurities, like, oh, well, yeah. is my art good enough? Like, can I actually do this? And Definitely. So kind of battling that was tough for me, but I just had to kind of suppress those thoughts and say to myself, like, yes, I'm definitely going to do this. I'm going to make it work. And uh, like, I'm confident in my ability to learn. And I think that was really a key component. Like, I was really, really open to learning. And um, Chris was a really great teacher. Mm -hmm. So I think, like, in that respect, there was a good partnership that was built. Mm -hmm. So, and then, of course, like, I learned over time, like, I always imagined, like, oh, everyone wants to you know, get a job and then move up into something else and move right. into, move, then move into a job that has even more responsibility and, you know, just have a lot more on your plate. And I learned art directing on the Loud House, that that is not true. Like there are a lot of people who are really happy doing the thing that it is that they do. And not everyone had that same kind of competitive ambition that I had. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people do, but I also learned that not everyone does. So I think, you know, the combination of of all of those things just fueled my fire to to just, you know, continuously take things in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, working with Chris, he, you know, he had been working in, in animation for so long and was, you know, so confident and talented and quick. Like, this was the thing that, I, yeah. I think was really um, impactful for me was watching someone navigate the whole experience and be decisive so quickly, like knew mm -hmm. whether or not he was confident about it. I mean, it sure seemed like it, but like he would well, make these choices so quickly. Yeah. And um, at 
first that was so, so intimidating for me. I thought, how in the world am I going to keep up with this? Mm -hmm. um, because I felt like I was only taking in like, I don't know, a quarter of the information th that he was giving out. But then over time, I acclimated to that type of work style. And I, I do feel like I, it was like, I, I kind of describe it like, oh, well, I may not be getting it today, but I'm just going to like pray for osmosis or something and hope that like, yeah. I'm going to go to bed, close my eyes, and the next day I'll be like, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. And in a way, I feel like, you know, it was a fast moving train and I just got on it. And yeah. I just tried my best to keep up. And I didn't always every day. Um, I just, I asked a lot of questions. I was really inquisitive um, and curious about- That's what you gotta do. Yeah, I did. And you know, like I I didn't even have to do that because I just was someone who was genu genuinely really curious about every aspect of the process. So mm -hmm. I asked and then he, I think liked that I was interested and curious. And so he would invite me to meetings that I don't necessarily have to be involved in at mm -hmm. all, but it was great for me because I felt like I was learning something and gaining something out of it. I think that like, that's, yeah, there's a weird stigma sometimes I think with especially younger artists who are coming in and they feel like if they ask questions that it like, again, it's kind of going back, going back to the notes thing. It's like, they feel like the, it shows they don't know what they're talking about. But I found that like, yeah, asking those questions and, and uh, especially with production even like, just double checking things will make them love you because it like it's just like hey i'm trying to do my best here i want to learn i want to make it easier for you i want to make it easier for other people in the pipeline and like like there'd be times where i would check in with the color uh, or with the background painters because i was doing background layout and i would check in with our background painters like hey can i make these files easier for you to deal with and their eyes would, they would look like they had never been like asked that before in their lives. They were like, yes, like, can you just like make the spot black a different layer? And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, and like the other background people were older and I think they just like didn't, weren't using Photoshop that well. And so they, the painters had to do so much extra work and just that little thing made it a little easier and and like that goes across the whole pipeline is like just ask questions just be engaged in the process yeah for sure i mean i'm a huge i try to communicate to the team that i'm working with that you want to take the step that comes before yours and add yes. to it like you want to be yes. additive but then you at the same time you also want to in passing it off to the next person mm -hmm. make the pass offs make it you know make the handoff smooth make it easier for the next person to receive that file or you know whatever part of the process is it's mm -hmm. like if you're running a relay race you don't want to pass a slippery baton to someone. <laughs> sweaty slippery yeah. baton. <laughs> Yeah, I and to yeah, I I know what you're talking about with Chris cuz like yeah, when when we would do the reviews, it was so breakneck that I almost felt I was wasn't doing it right. You know, it's like it was he's like, "Yep, that's good. Yep, that's good." And I was just like on to the next thing, on to the next thing. And I kind of came to realize and maybe you can add to this. I feel like with all the experience that he had, it was like he knows how how little time stuff spends on screen. And that's how I always interpreted it, that right. it's just like it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter to overthink this background when it's going to be on screen for five seconds and the focus is on the gag anyway. And so it's like, 
worrying too much about the details of every little thing, of every design, of every, you know, it just adds, it just clogs up the pipeline. But what's your perspective on that? Am I close? Yeah, I mean, I think that when you're in a position like that and you you are looking at everything happening underneath one umbrella, like uh, yeah. everything from the start to the finish, you I think it's really important to not have tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. At yeah. least, you know, for me, I like to really consider the episode as a whole and and know where it's worth to spend the time and where it's where it's just not worth it for you personally to get the win. And I think that, you know, animation is a team sport. There are a mm-hmm. lot of us involved in making one complete episode. And I think it's really important to give wins to the team. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're reviewing work, I really like to keep in the back of my mind, like, is this wrong? Like wrong as in it's not supporting the story or something technically is incorrect. Or is this a choice that I personally wouldn't have made myself? And I try to take a step back and take a look at it and say, you know what? Oh, if this wasn't a choice that I personally would have made, like let that artist have that win because this is a team effort. It's like, you know, if you are heading up a show you know, like I worked on a production once where someone said, my show, my show, my show. Yeah, and yeah. I just fundamentally disagree with that because this is our yeah. show. Everyone mm-hmm. is contributing. So let let the contribution exist the way the artist would like it to be. I mean, there are times when that's appropriate and there are times when that's not appropriate. But when you're looking at the the big picture, without tunnel vision, I think it's easy to identify when it's worth it and when it's not worth it. So, um, but I also am kind of of the mindset of like, I don't always, I don't mind if a character breaks model every once in a while. Yeah. Sure. You know, like mm-hmm. David King drawings on the Loud House. Often, they're so funny. They're yeah. so, so good. And they're so yeah. funny that like, mm-hmm. you know, when they would slide off show style, like, they were so great. Like I wanted to keep them in the show because it just added a whole nother level of like a human hand helped create yeah. this thing that we're all yeah. enjoying. So, so this I just, I really like to consider, you know, every, just the whole picture um, and every little aspect all together at once. That's, that's kind of how I do it. Yeah. There's always somebody above you that's keeping the ship, like it, everything, you know, your job as an art director is to make sure that all the art direction is consistent. And then Chris above that was keeping even more of everything kind of coherent. And so if you're in the middle of that, if you're a designer or whatever, like just just do what you can, have the confidence. Like you were there for a reason. I had to remind myself of that a lot. Like you're talking about like imposter syndrome and stuff. And it's like, yeah, early on, it was a lot of like, man, did I just like, that I just trick everyone into thinking I could do this? Like, mm. that I fool them? But, I mean, you know, you brought me on for a reason. And, like, I learned and I, I tried to adapt the same same way that you were saying. Like, you uh, were asking questions and stuff. And eventually I got into that groove where, like, man, that job got easy. Because it was just, like, <laughs> I, knew, I knew exactly what to expect. 
from from you know week to week you were also you were also working with like a total master in that department like larry larry yeah just so wickedly talented it's like unfair that someone can be that talented it's it's imposing because it's like being the sort of like junior background artist to to somebody like that is like ah shit <laughs> like <laughs> I, I remember early on i was like i can't i think i told you i was like i can't draw like larry and you're like no one can draw like larry it's like it's fine and i was like <laughs> okay. but you know what like what better person to sit next to and learn from is someone who does that job so well yeah we taught each other honestly because like he is really bad with computers <laughs> because he's been working for i don't know 30 years now at this point like in animation and uh, he didn't really know Photoshop or like Cintiqs that well. But, you know, there'd be those days where he would be like, Gene, I just don't know how to do this. And like in, in his uh, in his drawl. And I would be like, yeah, sure. Oh, you have this thing open. Turn this off. And so like it was, again, it was collaborative. Like we were helping each other out. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a good, uh, I think that was a good partnership. I, I'm really happy how that ended up working out. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was I was happy to, I, I was working with him the entire time. It was like, funny. Whenever... Nobody believed me. I was like, this is going to work. And people were like, uh. Ah, really? Yeah. Why did they think that? Well, because Gene, well, Gene kind of got, you got like an unfair, you know, introduction to the show. Yeah. Like unfair initiation, really. Because you were the new kid on the block. Like we were a team that was established and you came in a little bit later. And Mm -hmm. I was like, guys, um, I shouldn't say guys anymore, right? Like everybody, right? (laughs) Calm (laughs) down. Everybody calm down. We can introduce someone new into the team. It's going to work out. It's like, it's mm-hmm. so funny how territorial people can get about, about that kind of thing. But I was, I, you know, that's so interesting. I really was like, please just trust me on this. I really do think this is going to work out. And it did. And it was great. And then, you know, all the friendships that were formed yeah. along the way that I, that was so unique because that doesn't happen on every crew. Yeah, I the early days were tough on me for a lot of reasons. There was like, I mean, we all know all the interpersonal drama that had happened with me and somebody else on the crew, but like it it was it I definitely felt that. I felt this like like I couldn't do anything right for a minute. And it wasn't anything that you did. But it was there was, you know, I was under pressure cuz I I knew I was new. I knew that I was trying to like impress and I had to justify my existence to some degree and and that is that's a tough spot to be in, especially when there's somebody else on the crew who like is just resentful of you for no goddamn reason. And um, and so it was just like an uphill battle. But it's going to be an uphill battle for anybody, I think, because even you describing the way that you had, to, you know, you were you were dealing with your own struggles. And I, I kind of realized that later. I was like, man, Amanda, like I realized later, I was like, that was probably tough for you, too, because you were the, that was your first time art directing. And so we were both in this like position of trying to prove ourselves to our to our bosses yeah and uh and it's it's tough but yeah again to chris's credit like there was a lot of new blood in that show and mm-hmm. uh i mean how so many... that was my first job in that yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 a lot yeah. of careers were launched i know and i know you guys show. talked with jared jared morgan mm-hmm. yeah we yeah, talked yeah. With, uh we got jordan we've got we have we've had ari yeah we've had a lot of loud house people 
And, and Jared, uh, Jared's story is just so great because, yes. you know, I feel like, you know, I just saw this one drawing of his and we were having a really hard time filling that position. And I saw this one drawing online and I was like, that's the guy. I just mm-hmm. felt it in my bones. I was like, that's <laughs> the guy. Let's hire him. He, I think, I don't know, probably was just weirded out and shocked by the whole thing because he wasn't even seeking it out. I tried mm-hmm. to, you know, find him. Yeah. Him and, yeah, him and uh, David are a really good uh, prop design combination because their drawings are batshit. <laughs> like, they're, they're Well, yeah, art. I mean, we had David King, and I was like, who in the world are we going to find who's going to bring, <laughs> yeah. like, that comic book influence? But, you know, no one's going to match David in the style that he's bringing. But we did need to find someone who could bring a certain energy that could match David's energy, um, just like in a line drawing. So um, that was a really, really tough position to fill. It mm-hmm. was like finding, you know... needle in a haystack check out our episode with jared morgan link is right here (laughs) clem will throw that in (laughs) shout out to clem thank you for editing our episode but uh yeah well so loud house was was a hell of a time and uh you know i think we all know how things kind of went but and then uh you moved on eventually and talk about that a little bit yeah so um i i when i left loud house i wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do at that point because I just wanted to take a break. Um, Things were really, you know, we had been on the show a long time and things got really intense and I just wanted to take a breather, spend, I hadn't been home with my kids, you know, since they were Mm -hmm. babies. So I spent some time home with them before, you know, they really got into school and Mm. Um, I just kind of wasn't similarly to how my career began. Like I wasn't on a specific path. I just Mm -hmm. kind of allowed things to happen naturally. And I ended up, I don't even know how, how it came about, but I ended up talking with Craig McCracken about his new show, Kid Cosmic for Netflix. Um, and they ended up bringing me on as a color supervisor at that time, the show was not in full production. They were making shorts, um, and the shorts were intended to introduce the show. That's not how it ultimately ended up happening when the show came out. But the, actually, the shorts kind of infused themselves into the episodes. Um, it was really interesting to see it all, you know, when it came out on Netflix. I was like, oh, I worked on that, but now it's in an episode. Hmm. So, so I went I went over to Netflix for a while, um, kind of a short while, and I helped out on Kid Cosmic, and I worked on the shorts, and then it was summertime, and I decided to take a break with my kids again, and we spent the summer, we rented a car, we flew to New Jersey where um, I have some family and friends, and we spent six weeks in New Jersey. I like took them all over the place. We went to places like farms that I visited as a kid. We went to art museums. I took them into Philadelphia. We took visited the motherland. Yeah, I mean, we did so many fun things together <laughs> that summer, and I just wasn't focused on work at That's that great. time, which was yeah. really, really great. It's like uh, I, yeah. I had intended to take that breather after the Loud House, and I just kind of got 
sucked into another job pretty quickly. So it was nice to take that big chunk of time to just not think about work at all. Like I wasn't even near LA. So, you know, I had the best summer with those, those little guys. And I think that's something that, um, like you're, I think you're the first mother that's working in animation that we've had on the show. Yeah. And, uh, uh that's also an interesting perspective. And I'd love to hear more about that because like, I, I was working with you every day and I know how stressful it was for you to be, you were doing a lot. Like I know, and again, like, especially the more I kind of learned about in retrospect, how much you did, it's like, holy shit, you were, you were doing a lot to keep the artists from doing too much and just keeping the show on track. And I know that, yeah, like you're saying, like it was from what I remember you telling me, it was hard to, to do that, to kind of juggle the job and like, you know, the motherhood because, because uh, your kids were babies. You know, yeah, they were, li- they were little toddlers. So yeah, it's tough because I think that we have a tendency because we don't have jobs that you clock in and clock out. Um, And because there's this blurred line between what we love to do for fun as a hobby, like have art as something we do at home, but have it also be your day job, the time of when you're at work and when you're at home just can feel fuzzy sometimes. So I really tried to make it a point to say like, these are my work hours. And if I don't get it done today, I will work on it tomorrow. And, you know, like I always thought about it, like, you know, we're not working at a hospital. No one is, this is not life or death. No one's on an operating (laughs) table. Like we are making cartoons. Like it can wait until tomorrow. So I really tried to stand firm on that and make sure that I left work at a reasonable time every day. So that way I could see my kids. Like sometimes I'd only see them for 20 minutes before they had to go to bed because they were just little. So I really had to stand firm on the amount of work we were all contributing because it affected me as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just... I tried to stay very focused on the task at hand and not let anything, you know, like how we were talking about before, like not getting into this unproductive zone of noodling one tiny little thing. So I, you know, I tried to balance that for myself, but I tried to also balance it for the crew. Um, And I think ultimately that helped me have a a more healthy work-life you know, work, work life, home life balance. Mm -hmm. It was a lot. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's been really, I never thought about how my actions would impact other people in our industry um, until other women were approaching me and saying how inspired that that oh that's amazing that they were yeah it was so awesome like the first time someone said that to me i was like oh my god that's so nice thank you that's like it really touched my heart but then it continued to happen and women were were telling me how inspired they were to see that 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 you know see me working but also being an active parent and a lot of times you know when your babies are babies or toddlers they they want their mom. So mm-hmm. as a working mother, you sometimes end up taking on more responsibility at home. And it's not easy, but I think just really making sure that you can 
create clear boundaries um, everywhere. You know, when mm -hmm. I leave my kids, when I leave my job, all of it. So I mean, it is it is like a mental balancing act, kind of. It is. But I think that being a mother has made me a better employee. I think mm -hmm. that being working in our industry has made me a better mother. So I think really kind of try, trying to extract, you know, what's good out of each experience just enhances one another. I think, I your, mean, at least I hope. <laughs> do your kids, oh, I'm sure it does. Do your kids, uh, do they get, because they're getting older, do they like get that their parents work in animation and that that's like a cool thing or do they not care at all? No, they do. They're so they just turned eight now. And oh my god! I know they're like almost mm -hmm. as tall as me. I feel like Ugh. um they uh, that's not saying much actually. Nah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not that tall. But yeah, they get it now because since we've been home quarantining, we've been going through so much TV. So they and Phil, my husband, is just you know, I think so many people in our industry really love and respect him and so he's drawn as a character in so many different shows oh so yeah we will show them all of these shows and they think it's awesome and they think it's hilarious but they've recently been watching so much and then seeing our names in the credits they get really excited i think it kind of gives them an unhealthy idea of what work is mm. <laughs> I think they, you know, once they figure out what they want to do one day, they might be like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I, hope, I mean, I hope not. I hope that they find something that they love. But ah, they will. Um, but yeah, they know that it's our job. And uh, but they also know it's really fun. That's good. Yeah. I mean, they see, especially, yeah, especially last year, I feel like they must have been exposed to it even more directly. Cause they it's watched like... all of Adventure Time, every single episode. They've watched all of we bear bears they loved that also i just mean because they're like part they're seeing you guys work now too they didn't oh, see yeah. that before oh it's so funny um sid came over you know because they're just we're all in one space now so mm -hmm. he's hearing me work and so mm -hmm. sid comes in and he tries to call retakes on episodes <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, like, a director in the making. I know. He, he, what did he say the other day? Oh my gosh, it was so funny. Like, I think he said something and called it take twos. And uh, Phil and I just looked at each other and we're like, oh, oh no. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Got a little supervising producer now. I know. I'm like, I'm listening for sound effects or music and he comes over and he's like, um, mommy, I see something on Batgirl that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> oh my, hey, that's good. You know, it's a second pair of eyes. Yeah. He's, put like, him to work. He, he's like, can you change that please? Yeah. Put him to work. Finally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so funny. So yeah. So you took that break. You took uh, some. Yeah. So I took that break and. I was actually in New Jersey on that vacation, and I got a call um, from Jay Bastian, who's an exec at Warner Brothers, and they were looking for someone to come in and show run season two of DC Superhero Girls. Um, Lauren Faust created the show and mm -hmm. got it started up with season one and eventually moved on to something else. So they needed someone to come in and, and, and fill that role. And so Jay called me, and you know we were you know we talked about it for a few weeks and eventually when i came back i i went in and met and and i was like yeah i want to do it i mean that's 
like such an awesome opportunity and I did feel like you know just to backtrack a little bit on the Loud House I was art directing but my job my role expanded over time yeah. so I had started directing episodes and that's like to touch back on what I was saying about um, working with Chris like I was really inquisitive and just curious and I wanted to know about you know locking episodes and cutting scenes and cutting you know episodes down to time and all of these things that weren't part of my job but I was interested and so he would bring me along and um, I was learning and asking questions as we went and then you know I was going to music spots and I was going to mixes and and essentially I was just a fly on the wall for all of this stuff but I was taking it all in and you know my role things changed on the show and my role expanded and I, I got to do more of that actively for the show which was great I didn't do it you know like at that time I always thought like oh yeah one day I want to run a show but we were doing so well on the Loud House and everything was running so smooth I always kind of imagined like oh that'll be like 10 years down the road like I don't know one day I want to do that but you know things kind of got flipped turned upside down and it just all happened at once and we all kind of just had to start taking on more work and I, I don't feel like I did it long enough to really feel super confident about it but I did do enough of it to feel like yes I can do this like sure of course I need more practice at it but I can do it like I I don't know how to speak the language fluently but I know enough to get by mm -hmm. so so when Jay at Warner Brothers called me I thought you know what well this is the time for me to just like throw a little bit of caution to the wind and just believe in myself and just have confidence that I'm going to be able to pull this off. And um, so, so I started that job. And honestly, it was so hard in the beginning because the season one of that show, just there were so many things that were happening that were not ideal on that show. So there were a lot of really um, like disgruntled employees mm -hmm. on that show. So when I got there, people were like, People didn't know who I was. I was this, you know, I came from Nickelodeon. I didn't know anyone at Warner Brothers. They didn't know who I was. I was all of a sudden the new lead of this show. They were already angry about a bunch of things that had happened. Sure, yeah. You know, like, I think everyone on the show genuinely really loved the show and loved, you know, their contribution and the art that was coming out of the show. And I did too, which is what was even more exciting for me. It just looked beautiful and fun and ooh, ooh. You scared me. He's upset about something in the pipeline. <laughs> I don't know. He heard something. Squirrel. I don't know. So so yeah, I think everyone was really proud of the work that they contributed, but there were just a lot of things happening externally that just people were a little bit out of sorts when I arrived. So no one, you know, I think it, it just was a tough start. Like similarly to how you came into the Loud House and you were the new kid on the block. I was the yeah. new kid on the block now at Warner Brothers. 
and just the way things were done there was different than how they were done at Nickelodeon. Just like the order of things and um, just the process Mm -hmm. was different. So I was acclimating to this new place where things were done a little bit differently. It's funny because like we're, it's a new season of a show, but every show seems to do things a little bit differently. Um, So I was learning that as well as trying to, learn everyone on the team, understand what they were contributing. And it was really hard at first. Um, Mm -hmm. This was my first time really being involved with the story making process from outline through script. And so Mm -hmm. I was taking in a lot of new information and also trying to rebuild something that felt broken at that time. So um, it was really, really hard. Um, but, you know, I had a a couple of people that really welcomed me with open arms and, you know, became my allies and we worked so great together. So it was, it was tough, but eventually, you know, things started to fall into place and I started to learn the like quote unquote Warner Brothers way. It's Mm. so funny because everyone says, oh, that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. And, but like at every turn, I always heard, well, that's just how we do it at Warner Brothers. And I'm like, okay, um, all right. (laughs) Like, what am I going to do with this information? So really trying to make it my own was challenging. Sure. Um, And then we all got sent home in quarantine. The pandemic started. So we hadn't even shipped one episode when we got home. So we oh essentially God. created the entire second season from home. That's nuts. Wow. And so I feel so proud of the whole crew, how everyone came together, you know, especially, you know, like we didn't know each other and we didn't even have our whole crew in place when we went home for quarantine. So a lot of us finished out this season and have never even met in real life which is wild sure yeah yeah there are people on the crew i was on that Mm -hmm. i have never met and i feel like i might even know them better than if i was just like we were in separated by cubicles you know there there was a closeness yeah so so i feel really proud of everyone's contributions and just what they did to just stay committed to the show and you know i think that actually Um, being home and making the show was better for me because like I can sometimes be out like outwardly frustrated about things so Mm -hmm. it was nice to when I had that type of experience just be in my own home to deal with it (laughs) I relate to that a lot actually (laughs) so it you know like like if something isn't going well, like you can read that on my face. So yeah, yeah. Like yeah. being home and and really navigating this uncharted territory, both like both from living and working through a pandemic, but also trying to show run a show for the first time. Like I can't were, imagine. it was really hard. Um, so it was helpful for me to be home where I could just like get up out of my chair and just go get a drink of water and, you know, kind of figure out what I needed to figure out to move to the next step. Absolutely. So I, I feel like in a way I was lucky 
mm-hmm. for it to work out that way. Because who knows how many people I probably would have pissed off. I probably already pissed off a lot of people just by being there. Who knows? That's just being a showrunner. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to piss people off. Especially coming in second season, like when there are people who are already used to doing something one mm-hmm. way. And yep. now someone new comes in and tells you, well, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to do it this other way. Um, yeah. But that's why they hired me. So I just had to kind of like stay true to that mindset of like, well, that's why they asked me to come in here and help out on this show. Yeah. So like, I don't want to be swayed. Yeah. You did something right for them to come to you. So you might as well. But it, you know, it like, we are rounding the corner of finishing our season. Like we're just in post now. Um, Mm -hmm. We've shipped all of our episodes and I I really do think that like we hit a stride. I think we hit a stride and things started coming together and started, everyone was like working together nicely. And um, so I think it was successful. Now, hopefully people will like the episodes. I'm sure they will. Yeah. That's crazy. That's, that, that's, that's what I mean by rocket. I know it doesn't seem like to you because yeah, you've been at it for a while now and these jumps happen so far apart and it's always kind of you know out of nowhere but um i don't know anybody else that you know went from color designer to art director to showrunner in the span of what 10 years less Um, even yeah 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 less than that so oh less than that yeah yeah yeah. nice it's uh it's very impressive Yeah, yeah yeah well I like a challenge. <laughs> sure, sure. But, you know, yeah, that's part of it, I think, is I think you rise to the challenge and and you nail it. So Thank that's you. great. Thank you. Thank you. That's so uh, nice. Of course. Talk about a little bit about, like, how you deal with creative block and what it looks like to you. And I'm sure especially in the last year, it's been it's been tough. Yeah. Um, well, I think what's been beneficial about being home is um, you can have those moments to just breathe, you know, like if I'm watching an animatic and I know we need to change something about the way it's working currently, and I don't know what the answer is yet, I I can just kind of close my laptop and walk away and, and take a walk, like literally go outside, walk around the mm-hmm. block. And I, I'm kind of, you know, I like to sleep on things sometimes if I'm feeling blocked. You know, I do feel like I am a pretty decisive person, um, naturally, and I own, (laughs) I own the fact if I'm wrong, like sometimes, you know, sometimes you just have to answer the question to get to the next stage, right? And so sometimes I'm quick to answer the question, like, okay, we're going to do it this way because... Mm -hmm. Honestly, like sometimes a decision just needs to be made. And a lot of people don't want to make decisions. And I'm completely fine with just making a decision and going for it. And sometimes it turns out that decision was wrong or not the right way to go. But like owning it in the sense of seeing that it wasn't the right choice and saying like, okay, well, we did it this way. Next time we'll do it this other way. Yeah. But in terms of like feeling creatively blocked, um, I think just changing it up, you know, like go get some exercise. That's been really Mm -hmm. helpful for me, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's walking or um, riding a bike, um, just kind of giving your mind something else to focus on 
you know, since we've been home during the pandemic, I got this, this like tall hydroponic garden um, that, right. that I started working on. And I knew nothing about gardening, but I just needed something for my mind to focus on that wasn't stressful. Like, oh my God, people in the world are dying mm-hmm. of, you know, this horrible sickness. And, and then, you know, I mean, that's like a huge worldly problem, but then also, you know, I'm responsible for this whole team of people. I'm learning as I'm going, like, that's really stressful. I've got kids that need to be homeschooled. That's really, you know, it's like all of this stuff. So I just needed to think about something that wasn't heavy. Um, And that was so helpful. It's still helpful. Um, just going out, um, spending some time on that and, mm-hmm. um, and just getting fresh air. I do yeah. agree that like, it's something that I've like read a lot about actually, just like going on walks, like a lot of writers slash composers or even like painters just, uh, like walk a lot or walked a lot, you know, like I'm talking about like the big names, kind of like philosophers or whatever, like that's something that's, and I've read articles that it's, there's like studies about like how it kind of like has like your like first of all better blood flow to your brain so that kind of helps with like the neurons kind of pinging differently (laughs) so there's science to back that up yeah i i believe it i mean i felt so much better this past summer walking um just to clear my mind sometimes i would just like i have noise canceling headphones and i would put those on put on some music and just walk. And some days I would walk for like two hours. Oh, <laughs> like, wow. I just was like, I, this is making me feel really good mentally and also physically. Mm. So, um, you know, if I had the time to do it, I would do it. Yeah. That's, that's good. I think a lot. Yeah. I feel like that's something we've heard, uh, time and again, and, and it's a good, reminder and we all we i feel like i definitely forget i forget to like just go outside sometimes i mean it's hard because we've we've been told not to so much but mm-hmm. um yeah anytime i go out i try i started getting into skateboarding again a little bit oh cool and uh i don't know how to do any tricks but i'm just like <laughs> i just like will ride up and down and i get winded and i'm like oof, that's i am getting old <laughs> and uh but just doing that a little bit here and there it's also like a new skill it's like you with the the uh hydroponic garden it's like it's a, it's a thing that does not matter to anybody but me and yeah. it's something that i feel good getting a little bit better at and man that does wonders to just like getting away from the fucking the grind you know i feel like this is like a very common thing that i hear from artists that have been in the industry for a little bit it's kind of like there's a moment you wake up and you're like uh i don't have any hobbies yeah what am i (laughs) our hobby was drawing for half of our life yeah yeah it's true it that's totally true i often feel like i don't have any hobbies but i think in part for me that's like i am interested in so many things that it's Mm. I never dive really deep into any one of them to feel so invested that it feels like a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I, I also like place so mm-hmm. much. I don't know. I like I'm hard on myself. It's like I definitely got into photography and that was a hobby. Yeah, you do a lot of stuff. Yeah. I, I know you do. You do tons of, of uh, other things. 
Because, yeah, you you were doing photography. I remember, yeah, you were doing, like, photography on the side while you were art directing on Loud House. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you were, like, you were being a mother to toddlers and uh, doing photography freelance and uh, art directing and probably some other shit. I don't know. It's, it's like, <laughs> give yourself I, you know some credit. I, I started the photography because I, you know, because... I was on working on Gravity Falls and I just like would get to work and sit in this desk chair all day mm -hmm. long and just stare at this computer all day long. I just felt like I wasn't moving my body at all. Yeah. And I'm not like a super athletic person, but but I also like feel the need to move my body. So I thought, well, what's something creative and artistic that I could do that's not sitting at a desk? And so I picked up a camera and started that whole journey into photographing weddings. And that was awesome because like when you're photographing a wedding, you don't have a minute to sit down. You are go, go, go all day. Sometimes it's 12 hours. And I would, in the, in the pursuit of moving my body, sometimes I would come home and be like, oh my God, I'm so sore. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But that was good. It was like healthy and it was creative. Like I was still, you know, I was still working on my craft just in a different way. Yeah. Well, it all goes somewhere. It all comes back around. It, that's something that I got to remind myself of. And it, it's like even the hobbies are even just beyond, you know, even if you just obviously it's good for mental health just to have something else to do and take your mind off things. But it, it ultimately it probably still teaches you skills that are going to be reapplied back to your job and like what you do and your passions. Like, oh, oh yeah, for sure. Like I, when I'm calling retakes on an episode, there are often things that I'm calling that I never would have noticed if had I not gotten into photography. Yes. So yeah. I, I think it all, all of it like comes together in some way or another eventually. It does. Is there any kind of, influences that you have that you feel like are really important to you and um, tie back into your career and just like your your passions well this is kind of a tough question for me because it's not one I don't have one specific influence and it's more of how I see everything happening in the world and sure. kind of how I'm receiving all that information because, mm -hmm. I don't know, like, I can watch, do you ever remember that show, So You Think You Can Dance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that show was on, I think it was, like, pretty new when I started my career, like, in a job. And I used to come home from work and watch that show, and I was really mm -hmm. inspired by it because... You know, I was animating during the day, but at, in the evening I was watching these people dance on TV and so many of the things that I'm thinking about during my, you know, during the work hours, I'm seeing in these dancers, like mm -hmm. the timing of their movements and just the focus of their energy, like where your eye is supposed to track. And so like, I'm really influenced by lots of different types of art growing up my grandma she my grandma was also very creative and she had 
a pottery studio attached to her house. Um, so she was always creating things and, but she would, she would include me in that process, but then she would also take me to art museums and living in New Jersey, we weren't that far from New York City, so she would take me to Broadway shows. And um, so I was absorbing art in so many different ways that I just think, you know, I have influence, you know, I'm influenced by lots of different arts. And I think me, like my own particular brand of what's exciting and interesting to me is like I do feel like I view so much of life as a composition mm-hmm. whether it's an, a, a drawing or if it is um, a painting or if it is a piece of music or if it is a movie or if it is a Broadway show you know or a dance performance sure so I kind of have this I don't know. I like I was talking to Phil about this and he was like, you like things that are visually very tight. And hmm. and I was like, well, what do you think that means? And he's like, you just like things that are organized in a really specific and thoughtful way. And I thought, yeah, you're right. I do. Oh, that makes sense with choreography. Yeah. And I think that I think when I see something done that I think feels right to me I feel like it's done well it just brings me a lot of satisfaction even if it has nothing to do with me at all um it just like you know when you see something and you love it and it just like sits so well with you yes. it's like yeah, 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 yeah. like that's I, I feel like you, you would love the subreddit oddly satisfying it's all like things <laughs> oh, like, yes get all together yeah. perfectly Totally, totally. That kind of stuff is right up my alley. It's as like borderline OCD. As, like, <laughs> there's like this one page that I follow that it's like home improvements. Like, why did they do it this way? Sure. You know, like Aww. things that are so oddly built make me so mad. Like, I, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that would be like the example of a terrible life composition. But I, but I'm so energized, I guess, in both directions, really, whether it's done well to my liking or whatever, or the total opposite way. But like, he was right in identifying that, like, I really feel like that is the stuff, like, when something is thoughtful and organized and feels just right. It's like, kind of my blessing and my curse. You know, like my husband will be hanging a picture on the wall and I'm like, oh. uh, it's, it's a little too high on the right. Uh, it's a little too, low. Uh-huh. Yeah. you know, like it's just kind of exhausting sometimes. To be honest. That's so funny that you mentioned that. Cause like when I am like kind of the opposite way, when I go back into my like notebooks or, or like diaries, you know, like kind of like those, like almost Dutch journals or Uh, the one that I love the most are the ones that are the most disorganized. I just like looking at their pages and I'm sure. like, wow, I had fun. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do not have that gene V at all. I am like so <laughs> uptight, I think, about things. That's so what's, what's like, what's the thing in your house that drives you the most crazy and the thing that makes you the happiest when you look at it as far as that goes? Like, just like in general just, or visual? Well, like composite, yeah, like visual. Because I feel like everyone, you know, we didn't build our homes. 
So it's like, there's got to be something that you're like, God, I wish I could have fixed that. <laughs> like Everything. Just, that's, oh, what, like, that's what I mean. It's so exhausting because, oh, man. because like visual really matters to me. Yeah. And mm. I feel like my critical eye is so much stronger than my hand that I feel like I can never keep up with what I, I want see. in my mind. Mm. So... So sometimes, like my home is the probably the worst example. I'm like, oh, I'm terrible at, and all at like interior design. And people are like, what do you mean? You were an art director. You should be so good at that. And I'm like, no, yeah, it's the worst because it's your own space. And yeah, you're bound by physicality too. Yeah. But I mean, I think the best things are just like when we can enjoy being where we are. I mean, I guess that's kind of like the hippie response, but it's so true. Like mm. when you become a parent and you see your kids just having the best time at something, it's there's no better feeling than that. Yeah, they don't care if the 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 house <laughs> if there's like a wall that's not where it should be. No, gonna, they don't care about. Yeah, they're gonna gr grow up loving that house. But for me. It's like I, I'm constantly wanting to improve upon all of it. Um, yeah. But I got to say, okay, so I will give you an answer then. So there was a show that came out since we've all been home during the pandemic about like organizing your homes and things uh, called The Home Edit. And mm -hmm. that was super inspiring to me because I'm like, I am so annoying like i like my closet organized by rainbow color order <laughs> like <laughs> that's interesting okay yeah like my closet i take a picture and send it to you it's like everything is organized by color because i'm like well then i can find it so easy yes so when this show came out i was like oh my gosh another one of those moments where it's like my people <laughs> and so i started kind of implementing some of their techniques around the house and I just have kind of gone a little bit bonkers with it. As long as you're enjoying yourself. I mean, yeah. that's kind of a, yeah, that's a hobby in itself, you know? It is, so it's but like... it's so satisfying. It's like I open up the pantry and all the snacks have a space. And... Oh, that's, ooh, that sounds good. Uh, yeah, I mean, exactly. it, it looks so good that way. I'm the same as you. Well, I'm looking at my bookshelf and like I organize all of the books by size and like author. Like there's a there's a system. Yeah. And <laughs> and I know like my dad's the same way. I definitely get it from him. And, and like if somebody messes with one of those things, I notice and it drives me fucking crazy. And I'm like, don't do this to me. Like I need this in the right place. Like it'll make me upset if it's not the way I meant it to be. Oh, I know exactly what I'm gonna do next time I come. Don't. Play. <laughs> You're not the first. People like so. people know they they can like they look at it and they're like, oh, Gene has got some OCD problems, and I'm like, ah, you fuckers. I'm kind of like, like I mean, like jealous to some extent of you guys, because like that's like my, oh my God, I have such a problem. Like every, I I swear to God, every single day. I tell myself when I'm done working, I'm going to tidy up my desk and I absolutely can never do it. I can never tidy it's up anything. It's really thing. hard. It's just like, like I just, I have to have like two hours to tidy up everything, but I cannot like keep anything in order. It's a different, all. yeah, it's a personality thing. <laughs> you could look at our, at our jam board and see the difference in how we, how we uh, approach things. Cause my, my side of the page is always just like 
three drawings that I am like really trying to to get right, and then with you, it's just like you know explosions of colors and lines, and it's just it's the way our our brains think, the way our we process things. Because my desk is spotless, fee. Dude, I, my desk I mean, is immaculate. Uh, I gave up. I gave up. I, I tried. I tried for 10 years and now I'm just like, it's just who I am. I yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Except it. <laughs> We're all different. We're all different. Takes all kinds of fruit to make fruit cup. Amanda, is there anything else you wanted to uh, say before we wrap things up? I don't know. Thanks for thinking of me. Of course. Yeah. Me on to talk with you guys. It's fun. What kind of stuff do you have in mind for your future? Like, do you have any goals in mind? Oh my gosh. What goals do I not have? This is like, this is like <laughs> the thing that drives Phil crazy because like, I, I want to do everything. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I told you guys like in high school, I did everything. Like I contributed mm -hmm. everywhere. That is like my disease. Like I <laughs> honest to God want to do everything. I wish that there was time in life to do more yeah. actually i love be i love working from home i mean i miss people and i wish i could yeah. go in sometimes but i love working from home because i do feel like i get to dabble in more things that i wouldn't get to otherwise um i don't know i mean okay like if i fast forward into the future and i'm retired what i want to do is live in a place that is beautiful that I have land to look at mm. um, and maybe have some chickens. I don't know, just kind of like. Oh, yeah, chickens. Yeah, like slow it down visually, I guess, but still be active. Um, I don't know. I like always envision myself learning more about cooking. That's something I like to do. And I've mm -hmm. taken some cooking classes in the past. and But like that's a focus I would love to, to do, you know, once you know, life changes a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I like that. Just, I don't know, slow it down and enjoy taking a breath. Yeah. Is there anything you want to plug to our listeners? Oh, yeah. you got to watch DC Superhero Girls. Season watch two. DC Superhero I Girls. I do not know yet when it's going to be out, and I don't know where they're going to show it. It will be on either Cartoon Network or HBO Max. Or Netflix, I don't know yet. Yeah, who um, knows? But, we have, but like a whole season is gonna drop, and I'm really excited about it. We we focused this season. I think there were a lot of super heroics happening in season one that were really fun and action packed. Um, and in season two, I think we spent a little bit more time focusing on just like interpersonal teenage issues and you know the girls' relationships to each other. Um, and we had spent a lot of time actually poking fun at each of them. Mm -hmm. We did a couple of musical episodes. So there's some, I don't know, fun, some fun stuff in there. And I hope people like it. I'm sure they will. And yeah, more fun stuff to come after that. Great. Uh, well, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Amanda for being our guest and sharing her story. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at creative block, creative without the vowels where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast. Please subscribe to the channel if you love our content. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V. Keep being creative, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.